I've got a question for you. I'm, I'm anxious to hear. Is it about my back squats? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to ask you something far more important than your lack of fitness. The So I know you used to stretch a lot. Well, you actually still stretch a lot, don't I you? I still, I mean, I, I try to stretch about 20 to 30 minutes every day. So specifically, I have a question about when you travel. Okay. So how do you stay in that routine when you travel? And the reason I ask is because I always have the intention of stretching like on Friday night when I travel to a seminar and I get to the hotel and I never do it because I don't want to think of anything. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we're about to talk about GoWad and you're absolutely right. When I travel, I think for all of us that travel, your kind of routine gets thrown out the window. You and I have been traveling for the last seven years, basically every weekend. And that means two to three of our days every week, we're out of our normal routine or rhythm. Sometimes it's good. If I drive in or if I get in early enough, I'll find the motivation to stretch. I'll put on you know, The Office on Netflix and kind of watch an episode. But using the GoWatt app, I think it's one of those things where it's just accountability. You know, Not necessarily to somebody else, but if I turn that app on, select the time frame and just kind of what's jacked up that day in my body or maybe I'm working on my personalized routine, I'm more likely to do it. That was kind of what – that's why I like it a little bit. So I've used quite a few of them in the past, but maybe I would open up one of the previous ones and it's just that routine for the day and it might be very hip-heavy. But I don't want to do that. It might not be my hips. It might be like when we did our box tour and my shoulders felt like they were my arms were just going to fall off of my body and I want to do something that's very specific and maybe I don't have a half an hour to go through this full routine maybe I have 8 12 15 minutes what's cool about GoWatt is I can isolate what it is that I want to work on and I can also pick the duration of the the set or the effort that I want to put in on this and I can really maybe even dice this up into several sessions a day maybe you want to do 3 8 sessions or 3 8 minute sessions a day I can now do that based on something that's unique to me or maybe I'm not even in pain. Maybe I'm just not good in a position. Maybe I'm not, you know, like my overhead position, I mean, I think we could both agree, is significantly better than yours. So I don't need to spend a ton of time there. But if I'm, if I'm banged up there, then I might want to. But Did you hear that? All the, the sound of all the listeners tuning the, out? Agreeing with me. They're just, just like, shutting yeah, this totally. episode off. Listen, when you guys see the, the box tour, you'll get it. You'll just be like, oh, God. You know, I will say low-key. You sound like a shitty mover on the podcast, which <laughs> if that's even able to be done, you sound like a shitty mover. But then when you guys see it on the, on the box tour, you're going to be like, oh, Fern wasn't kidding at all. Like, but that's horrific. Something important you touched upon. He looks upon. injured all the time when he moves. <laughs> something important you touched upon is too many people wait to download this app until they are in pain. But in reality, you should be down. Everyone should download this because if you're not in pain, at some point in your life, you will be. We were just driving through the streets of Raleigh earlier and saw a guy wheeling his uh, grocery cart completely hunched over. Yep. So let me describe this for you. This is an older guy. We were trying to guess his age. We really couldn't figure it out. I but said like, 70. Yeah, you it, said was, no. it was something between 60 to 70. And he was pushing his shopping cart in what was probably best described as a full 90 degree hip hinge completely yeah completely like to the point where like i'm not even joking like i felt bad for him he looked uncomfortable and it was kind of at that moment that we were like that's the best he's ever going to look too yeah he's not going to get better i mean granted we don't know what he's doing but i doubt he has the GoWatt app and i doubt he was heading to the you know crossfit ttg 
which is where we were yeah. after he was done loading those groceries. Yeah. He was going home to sit in his chair and can, and be flexed at the hip for another eight hours. And if you're one of these people that sits all day, then you have to be preemptive about this. You can't always be trying to be reactive about your mobility and your positions. You have to be preemptive about it and think about it beforehand. And I know in in my training life, I've always felt and performed the best when I put a priority on mobility and it was part of my routine and I wasn't doing it because I was sore or tight. I was doing it because I was just wanted to be in better positions. And then what I find is those scenarios or those instances of feeling like that decrease significantly. Yeah. And you know, there are so many things in our life I'm guilty of, whether it's the chiropractor, acupuncture, even a doctor's appointment where we rarely go preemptively. It's like, oh, shit, I hurt my back. I should go get adjusted. But this is eight minutes a day. You can put it up for eight minutes. You can you can completely customize it for you. You can do pre-workout. You can do post-workout. You can put in the movements that you want or that you're doing that day, and it can create something for you. There's videos. It's educational in there. It's free for affiliates. Go try it out. Hit up our friends at GoWad. Let us know what you think. Uh, but if you're not doing any sort of mobility, here's your time to start. Uh, you're going to learn something you'll be able to share with your affiliate. So go check them out. GoWad. You can download it on the, on the App Store for iTunes. Uh, it's also available for Android. And, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, you definitely have eight minutes. Find the time. Make it happen. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here. Uh, sorry we've had a little bit of gap. Ackerman and I have been uh, a little bit busy, a lot of travel, a lot of different stuff, but we are back on it. Uh, and today I'm super excited. Um, we have seminar staff member with us, Gary Villegas, who is the owner of Eternity CrossFit. Uh, Gary, how long have you been on seminar staff, dude? Uh, five years. I was going to say, yeah, you're like right around the same amount of time as me. And then, so Gary and I have actually never, I don't think we've worked a seminar together. I know we, I think we've only worked at the games together. Yeah, we have worked at the games and hang out at summits yeah at the summit so um which is interesting because a lot of people and i'm sure you get the same uh like on the weekends when you work seminars gary people are like do you guys work together often and i'm like i don't know once every two years and they're like wow it seems like you guys do this every weekend <laughs> yeah that happened regularly um but anyway his gym is in kind of the orange county area and um but he's got a really unique story i think will resonate with a lot of people so i wanted to bring him on uh, to tell that, but I think there's uh, a lot of cool stuff about Gary. So I, I want to talk about some of the members in his gym. I want to talk about your experience coaching uh, and kind of like becoming uh, a coach and then what that journey looked like on the seminar staff. And then some of the stuff that, uh, that you're getting into in the coming future, which we were just talking about um, before we hit record. But uh, dude, I know you're busy, so I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for reminding me, man. Um, my pleasure to have this opportunity to be here with you. Absolutely, bro. Just bring on the best people and people we like talking to. So I didn't, I didn't, we didn't really get a chance to hang out this summer. I felt like this was the fastest or this summit. Uh, I felt like this was like the, the, it felt like the shortest summit ever. It was like two days was just gone immediately. It went really fast. There was also a bunch of new people to me and different faces to hang out with a lot of new stories to hear. Yeah. There's like a, I think the number, I think it was like 20% new trainers, which is, which hasn't been the case in a long, long time. So 20% increase roughly on seminar staff since the last trainer summit two years ago. 
ish. So yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. Um, how long have you had your affiliate? I'm going into nine years, um, September, 2020. So eight okay. years so far. Okay. That's it. so not, not new to the game. And then obviously you didn't just find CrossFit and open your doors immediately. How long have you been training CrossFit? Like when did you find CrossFit and you're like, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to get into. So, uh, I was already a personal trainer for a global gym. I started in 2005, exposed to CrossFit around 2006. Okay. And it took me a while to actually get involved with CrossFit because my close mentality of what fitness was didn't allow me to see the benefits of the program itself. To my understanding, based on what I was taught, is that strict pull-ups and doing squats to 90 degrees was the way of going, you know, and that's what the organization that I worked for was willing to teach us till uh, one day I got into a workout with a little girl and she finished the same amount of work in about four minutes and I finish in about 15 minutes so i got me <laughs> with, the, with the same amount of weight so this got me really intrigued and i started asking more questions what is this she told me oh, that's crossfit and uh, after that which it was in 2009 i decided to go and take the level one like two weeks after that and right after I listened to the lectures of the squat, that the squats, the, the functional movements are essential, are part of our DNA. It just brought me back to my roots coming from where I, in South America, where I come from. You know, we have no seats, we have no toilets. Uh, so we squat all the way down. Now I'm here working in a fitness facility, telling people to go to 90 degrees, changing all these patterns. And I'm concerned that my family is gonna have knee problems for life because we have no toilet. We have to squat all the way down. So when I hear the talk about the squat, that was it. After that, every other movement and every explanation and on top of that, the way that the seminar staff explained the material, it was so inspiring for me that I was like, I'm done being a, a trainer. After that, it took me two more weeks to go and quit my job. <laughs> you quit your job two weeks after you took the level one? Exactly. <clears throat> because look, jump into the industry uh, for the reason of helping other people move better, become healthier, mm -hmm. Uh, make healthier choices. And I was doing that, but not with the most efficient tools. After going to the level one seminar, I realized that the tools that I was given on that seminar were what I needed to do my job in a more efficient way. How long were you a personal trainer for? Like how long were you in the fitness industry before you, so it sounds like you had like a three year kind of, quasi relationship well you know i started it started 2005 i quit at 
the end of 2009. Okay. So, so five what, years. What was the hangup? So like, why didn't, like, why were you resistant to CrossFit? So if, if you, have you done the, any of the seminars, NSM, NCSF, AFA, any of the national certifications? Yep. Uh, so so I've, taken, really I've taken the, uh, the CSCS exam. All right. So they're pretty good in anatomy. They're pretty good in giving you all this information, all this literature. And then you just go and take a test on a closed room and then a trainer. And at that given time, it was more knowledge than what I had previous to that, you know, which it was just going to the gym and doing regular lifting. However, some of the information that I was given, I, I had conflicts with, like mainly the squatting part, mm -hmm. going only to 90 degrees and the knees cannot pass the toes. Toes have to be facing more. So I was working with a lot of people and using all those techniques and trying my best to get them to become healthier. Uh, but I never got the opportunity to be trained to become a better coach or went to like a summit where I was promoted to like do things better or someone watching after me. As mm -hmm. long as I was bringing in revenue in the company and my projections and selling more than previous years, I was good. So it became a point where everything was about sales and what I was passionate about it, which it was working with people, training people, it was not there anymore. It was like resign, resign, resign. And uh, I was lucky enough that at my seminar, Coach Glassman was able to give a little talk and explain the benefits of holding a group class and how that's gonna create accountability within the group how they're going to become friends, how one is going to call another one when they're not there. And the fact that you can now, instead of charge 60 bucks or $120 for an hour, you can only charge 200 a month. Yeah. But now you have multiple people within one hour. So not only for the part of accountability and having the tools to get people more benefits, it was positive, but also, and the aspect that if you want to jump more pieces point. So it was so, just like a, a great moment for me. That's really cool. So how long, so you, so you're at kind of the Globo gym, you take the level one, you quit your job two weeks later and then what? Cause I know there's somebody who a wants to do that as well, but probably doesn't have the balls to do it, which I totally get and respect because that is frightening. Um, but so, then what? So you're just like, all right, I've, I've, I've found my purpose and now what am I going to do? Did you just immediately decide you're going to open an affiliate? I did not decide that I'm going to open an affiliate because I, at this point I still haven't told any of my clients that I'm going to start teaching CrossFit. So I do my level one and I come back and within those two week period, I'm already planning how I'm going to leave. So I realized that this company that I'm working for, every time that someone decides to leave the company, 
the company find a reason to fire you. Like if one, you eat a protein bar in front of your clients, or like uh, if you fill up a piece of paper wrong, there was a reason that you're gonna get fired and you cannot come back to the company. So I was like, oh, I'm not gonna quit. I'm just gonna take a leave of absence. Okay. So I take this leave of absence and tell all my clients what exactly what I was going to do. So they decide if they want to stay at the facility with another coach or they want to follow me. And I contacted a small facility that teaches yoga, but it also has an outdoor space and present them my project. And they were very excited about it. Mm -hmm. So I made the transition exactly two weeks later and brought all my clients that I had from private to start doing some group classes. And I was able to squeeze most of them in the morning. So all of them came with you? All of them. I will say a good 99%. That, so clearly they were happy with, with, with you, right? And obviously you're an incredibly handsome guy, but like, obviously you were doing something right. Like, you know, like before you found cross, it's not like you were just doing garbage training. It sounds like you were just doing the best with what you had. So do you mind if I ask like how many, how many clients is that that you, that you're doing like personal training with that you kind of move over to this group setting? At that point, it brought with me a little bit over 30. Damn. Okay. That's a lot. That's really good. So I, I had a pretty good start to be honest. So, so what was their reaction to that whole thing? Did they just kind of blindly say yes? They're like, Hey, what? Like I'm here for Gary. So wherever Gary goes, I go, or were they, were they a little hesitant? Uh, they follow me, man. I had a pretty connection with my people. You know, I still have some of those clients with me from about what? 14 years ago. I still That's have amazing. some of them. Uh, I would say one of the reasons why they follow it because they realize that I care. If there was something that I didn't know, I would let them know, hey, look, they will come and ask me a question that I have no answer for. I'll tell them, hey, as a now, I will lie to you if I tell you something. Just give me a few days, I'll get back to you on that, or let me contact somebody that can give you that information. I believe that that's what's going to help the most when making transition. You know, if people know that you have their best interest, they'll agree with you. I don't think that's going to be a problem. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. And I was going to ask you a following question, but you answered it because I feel, and you get the same questions I do on the weekends, which is a lot of people are afraid to say, I don't know when in, in, from a personal relationship standpoint, that might be the best thing that you could say to a client is, I don't know. I will find out and we'll solve this problem together. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it will be wrong to pretend that you know something. Well, I think there's a lot of new coaches who, who feel that they're supposed to know everything and because they're, you know, quote unquote, the authority or the expert, you know, because they've, they've started their fitness journey. And I, and I think they, I think there's this misconception that, that if you admit that you don't know something that, that, 
means that you are not good at what you do, which you and I both know that's not the case. Like there's everybody doesn't know something, you know what I mean? Exactly. I agree with you on that. Um, so I actually want to backtrack. So, cause I was actually doing a call with, uh, with a couple of our coaches who were in our group for best hour of their day. And we were talking about PT, but you were doing a lot of PT before that. And this and is something, numbers. yeah. So if this is something that it, and admittedly for myself, if you start your, your coaching journey in the group setting and then try to transition to in any degree to personal training, it can be a little weird. It, it just, it doesn't feel the same. The anatomy of that session is not the same. What for you makes a good personal training session? Like why did, why did you have 30 clients? Like what were you doing so well in those personal training sessions that 30 people blindly just left that gym and followed you where you went? Uh, one of the things I will, I was holding them accountable to what they were trying to accomplish. So accountability was like a, a big thing. Another thing it was that we will measure progress somehow, like performance, body composition change, and also constantly giving them new small goals to accomplish based on the big picture. So let's say they want to lose certain amount of weight we create small goals to accomplish a four to six week period that were uh, body composition or something related to nutrition, also performance. Like if we were walking a mile with someone that is extremely obese and the mile was taking 15 minutes, the plan was within a six week period to go to 15 and a half minutes. Also keep it somehow realistic. And within the same process, being aware that you're going to make a few mistakes. Like sometimes you're going to be off on that calculation. You're going to be over it or you're going to do even better. But as long as you are invested into helping these people to accomplish this goal, you're moving forward. They're trusting you. And as long as you take that seriously and show them that you care, even though you're going to make a few mistakes, they're going to go by and they're still going to be there for you. It's so not, not funny, but it, the, the commonalities between literally every person they bring on the show, when we ask them like, what is the key to being a great trainer, a great leader? It all comes back to that fundamental. Like you just have to care about people. You just have to give a crap about people. And that's basically what you just said. It's like, I'm going to care. I'm going to keep them accountable. I'm going to come up with new goals. I'm going to invest in them. And then they're going to reciprocate that. And I just, it's hard. I think people are resistant to do that because it's hard. It, it requires a lot of emotional equity on the trainer's part to do that for 30 people or 150 people. If you have an affiliate, like whatever your affiliate looks like, like it can be a little emotionally exhausting. Um, but it sounds like that is what you were doing, which is why people were so just, you know, 100% all in to follow you whenever you made that transition. So when you go from the, when you go to the like yoga studio, like how does that, what's that transition look like from that process to eventually opening the doors, your doors for Eternity CrossFit? So I made the transition. At this point, 
I haven't thought much of the Olympic lift movements. You know, a lot of I know a lot of benching, squatting, deadlifting, bicep curling. But uh, everything now that I'm going to be in is what I have learned on the level one. Uh, so I say you start the process, you know, of course, what's were super easy, some what's were a lot harder. And I think the newer format where people are now doing the same thing together, where you have a 16-year-old little boy that is going to high school and is super, is working now with a 40-year-old mother, you know, that just came to have a workout after dropping her kids to school and having these different individuals in the same group becoming friends, holding each other accountable, and at the same time doing a workout with their own personal goal, but within a healthy competitive environment where there's a little bit of spice like, well, I'm not gonna let just into the 16 year old kid say, I'm not gonna let that mom beat me up. When they get school because some of these babies are insanely fit. Um, so moving into this facility, I made an arrangement with the owner of the facility where I will keep 70% and he will keep 30% of the profit, which is what most private trainers were working with every other facility. Yep. So I started a group classes at this point, I'm not calling CrossFit anything. And, uh, the owner of the facility got all excited and wanted to get affiliated and start doing marketing. And I say, well, let's do this. However, we have to get affiliation first in order to do so. He decided to do a little bit of marketing without being affiliated. And I was like, man, that's not the right thing to do. And within like two days, we got a little email from HQ that just like it was really fast i guess somebody from around saw that we were doing good and that we were using the name and it was not the right thing to do so that started a little bit of split between me and that facility so i told them look if you don't pay the affiliation we cannot use the name and if this is not going to work you just let me know and i find another place to go and I start my own affiliation. But at this point, I still want to put like a good 90 days into learning what it takes to run group classes, you know, and the responsibilities of dealing with so many people at once. Uh, I don't know at this point what is to rent a business, uh, rent a, a building to get a a business license to have insurance and all these things that come with being a business owner. So during this process, I'm just trying to prepare myself for the next step. And while that's happening, we're just getting more and more people. So let's say another month goes by and we have 45. The owner of this facility got excited and told me, okay, we're doing a lot better. Now we're going to go 40 
I'll keep 40 and you keep 60. And I was, well, whatever, we're doing good. Are we going to get affiliated? And he said, yes, yeah, soon we get affiliated. Another month go by, we bring more clients. Now we're reaching like the 60s. And he still not want to get the affiliation. And he come with a new offer. He tell me, hey, we're going to go 60-40. So he was about to keep 60 and he was to give me 40. And this is like, uh, oh, like middle of the month. So when I heard this offer and he's giving me no option, I realized that it's done with company and it was time for me to make the move and start my own affiliation because he was just benefiting of everything that I was bringing with the coaching. The group class met and he was not going to affiliate. Which so, is crazy because what's the affiliation fee at this time? Like 500 bucks? It was like 1500. It was just, it just got bumped to 1500. I mean, still chump change. Exactly. But you know what? As today, I don't know, you have seen it. A lot of people don't realize the benefit of the affiliation and that because of a lot of people being honest and paying that money, the organization itself have been able to ban and support all of us, you know? And that is like a very tender topic because I have seen a lot of people that get used the name and then they build a little bit of clientele and then I'm out. CrossFit is not doing it for me, which is like, I don't get it. If it wasn't because of CrossFit, they were not being where they were, they were they are today. Yeah, I don't get it either. It's one it's one of the more perplexing things uh in in the industry. It, it's it's twofold. To me, it's you know, just straight up ungrateful because like you just said, they wouldn't be there if if that wasn't available to them and, and CrossFit wasn't essentially an open source market, which is like, hey, you could just look at CrossFit.com and learn everything. But the other thing that it has always been just very puzzling is that it, it's it's it demonstrates a lack of understanding of what what's in what entails or what franchises entail because it's significant more buy-in if I was to do a franchise and I feel like people want franchise support for affiliate fee prices and it's just not going to happen and if you actually look at behind the scene what support they can have from all the education that is for free on that come from the interaction that you get from every seminar staff that is an open source that you can contact at any given time and you're not getting charged for any of that you know you ask any questions you can contact you get emails you get phone numbers it's just like you get the biggest resource ever that not any other franchise have. they have a, a rule book that you need to follow and stick to that. Uh, I believe the resources are endless, just people don't haven't figured out how to tap into it. I agree, and that's something that I actually struggle with as as like I don't want to say like a leader, but like with this podcast in general, like I, I it's one of the things that is like that re, re, very frequently comes to the forefront on on my radar of 
a, a problem to try to tackle is I, I agree with you. I don't think people know what to do. And I struggle because part of my answer is I feel like there's somebody sitting at a desk trying to learn a topic and there's a book sitting in front of them that's closed. And all they're telling me is that they can't figure out how to learn this topic. And all I want to say is open the damn book. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree with you, man. I totally agree with you. If you want something, you have to go and get it. You know, I, I, the last podcast that I listened from you and Jason, it was with Coach Glassman. At the end, you guys, Jason is talking like, you got to go and work. You got to go and get it the answers and the information is there, but you just got to expose yourself and you got to want it to grow, you know, in order to get that information so you can use it in a productive way. Which is, which is actually brings me to the next point, which is like, you've kind of had like just in general, kind of a fortuitous path, you know, to where you are today, which is clearly you wanted to do this, right? Like if yeah, it was, you sacrificed a, a lot. And I don't know if you like how much you want to go into that, like some of the hardships that you've dealt with, but like, I think well, and, perspective and matters. Yeah. No, no, keep going. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say like, I think, I think that's a story that people should hear. Well, listen, uh, let's talk about the potential. I was making mm -hmm. about $120 an hour for private training. Mm -hmm. and plus bonuses I cut my salary to a quarter from a hundred plus to low 40 but the biggest take of that it was the fact that I went from working 10 to 14 hours a day back to back just selling and sacrificing the thing that was giving me the joy, which it was spending time with people to see them progress. I have to be worried, more worried about what I'm going to do with the next client so I can re-sign them. Two, now working a lot less hours, having time to spend with my kids, having personal time, and actually enjoy what I was doing, which is the reason why I jumped into this industry which it was coaching to see people grow. So yeah, if you want to go into the financial aspect and make a crazy amount of money working 16, 20 hours a day, and that's what gives you joy. Yeah. That, that, there's a, there is an opening for that. There is an industry for that. Go for it. But if you want to just put a few hours, make enough to make a living and gradually make a business grow in a healthy way, that it will organically, organically give you the returns of your effort. Man, I think group classes within the CrossFit format is the way to go for me. I know them, they, there are options, there's other group formats, but this is what's working for me so far. Yeah, I agree. I was actually talking to some people yesterday. I was trying to explain them, to them like the energy that I get when I walk into a class. Like I can't really explain it, but I get, I could be having like the worst day. And if I walk into the class and there's 15 people there who are ready to train, man, I get, I get pumped. I'm like, God, there's 
virtually no other place I'd rather be than right here, right now with you guys, like just training and getting after it and like teaching you how to do this and making you move better. Um, I agree with you. So the, and the same part of the yeah. transition and the heart is like, uh, I'm not only careers, but I'm getting separated. And so I'm leaving my home to start a new business with a new family. So as I start in this facility, I have only two weeks to open this facility because the guy that I'm working with want to keep 60% of what I'm bringing in and leave me with only 40%. So within time, I wrote a letter to HQ, went to the city, got a business license, rented a building. And at this point, I have only a credit card with a $30,000 credit. And I knew that if I spend more than five grand, I'm going to get my credit card blocked. So what I did, went to Rogue and look at everything I needed and swipe the credit card for $26,000 at once. And next day. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> next day, my credit card, uh, the bank called me, blocking my credit card, trying to set a, a payment uh, plan. And I told them, man, just, it's okay. I'm going to make the payments. Just no worries. I already did the purchase. You cannot take the equipment back. So I put everything together with some of my friends and knowing the laws of taking clients from all the facilities, even though this was people that was following, but they already signed an agreement at this place. I didn't tell anybody that I was doing this. Okay. I just left. I just left because uh, the conversation that I have with the owner of that place in regards of what he was doing, I thought it was very dishonest. and. It didn't turn out well, and I knew he wouldn't back up from that deal, and I wasn't willing to give him all my work. <clears throat> so I just left one morning and opened my facility without anybody. And as I was there, people started calling, hey, why well, you're not coaching today? I say, well, I'm longer there, no longer there. I just opened my new facility. Because I realized that if I was not the one contacting people, but people was the one contacting me for my services, I will not get in trouble. And that's what happened. I opened my facility. And at this point, every single one of the individuals that started with me at the facility, plus a few others that were looking within that facility, came to my new building. That's incredible. So how long did it take you to kind of get your feet underneath you when you make that transition? Because I'll be honest with you that like that whole scenario just gives me anxiety, what you just stated. Um, even though I've well, done probably equivalent, if not stupider things, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but like, you're just like, that's a massive risk, right? Which is yeah, like, it's a big, it's a big move. Uh, you know, I have, I have other option, you know, I, I have no family here. I have no one to back me up. So I was counting only on myself. And when you're in a situation like that, there is no option to think that you're going to fail. Your only option is 
I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and I deal with the consequences. But then when you get all the people that you've been working with for so long to come back and to be there every day and to support you, you realize that you're doing something good. You know, and it, it just is very motivating to keep doing it. And within within nine months, I have already paid my debt. That's incredible. And so you're so you're paying so you know, you're paying all your expenses. You you're clearly paying yourself because you have to live, and you paid off twenty six thousand dollars of debt in nine months, and you did that on basically a two week. We'll put it in, in in air quotes business plan that involved you just walking into the city, grabbing a license, and renting a spot. Man, I didn't have a business plan. I remember everyone. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, I'm. Jo- I've no. I've. Uh, I was saying that jokingly because, like, no, I, no, no, I, I get it. I was just I like, oh, <laughs> but but it works. It, it, it's it speaks very very much to the whole thing, like everything that you're saying, which is like you have to care if you if you put everything into it, like you will get back what you need from it. Exactly. Man. You, you, you have to do your best and then there we go. going to be no, if something didn't work, you don't going to be like, Oh, but if, what if I try that? No, you know that you try everything that was within your reach. It doesn't mean everything you do is going to necessarily work the way you, I have made a lot of mistakes on this process. You know, like I imagine every other business owners have. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, if you put in everything into it, by the time you make those mistakes, you're going to be more like, okay, I'm going to learn from these than just being like, man, if I wouldn't done that. Yeah. So if, what, what would you, could you, have you identified what's the biggest mistake you've made as a business owner slash affiliate owner? Do you know what it is? Man, I have made a bunch of big mistakes. <laughs> to be too. honest, I was trying to line them all. I was trying to line up all my mistakes the other day, and the list just kept getting longer and longer. You know, like so. One of the first ones it was that as soon as I start, as soon as I pay everything, and some money was coming in, my mindset was that. You know what? I want all my coaches to make the most that they can so they can make a living out of this Mm -hmm. and we can all make good money. However, I was not in the position to do so. So all the coaches that I have, that they were brand new with fairly any experience, I started paying 25 bucks an hour, you know, but I don't know anything from that. I come from the background of personal training and I was getting paid way more than that. And I knew 25 with just a few hours a week will not necessarily make it. Then I'm getting a lot of the classes covered. and The money is being spread thin between the coaches and myself because I, I don't have experiences managing this at this point. Yeah. So I say that was one of like that my first mistake, not having a plan and a structured way of first getting coaches to be prepared to enter into the business in a gradual 
payment structure where, hey, yeah. you're going to enter getting paid this much. And then after a while, you have proven that you care, you have delivered results. We're going to promote you to this. And instead of having a bunch of people that were also friends, coaching, choose the ones that want to do it as a career and we're more invested into it so that being one of them yeah i dig it i think and i think that's probably a, a pretty common if not one of the more common errors for, for like affiliate owners is you just don't know so you start bringing on people without figuring out you know what can i pay total in payroll who should i pay how many people should i pay um I mean, damn, embarrassingly enough, it probably took me eight or nine years to figure out something that even comes remotely close to being something that looks logical on paper. Um, and um, so how, many, how many coaches do you have now? As of right now, I will. I have zero coaches. Okay. That that just happened last week. <laughs> I one of my top coaches. His father got really, really sick, and he's caring for him okay. like full, full time. So he cannot be covering right now. And another of the coaches went through, I would say, a life transition where he want to go on a different path, more like holistic yoga and martial arts movement. Okay. So... I'm starting again with a new group of people. Got with it. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll have them ready for like March or April. So for any of you coaches out there, Eternity CrossFit is looking for coaches if you want an opportunity. <laughs> um, so let's talk, let's talk about that a little bit. So what does, you know, because this, inevitably this question is going to come up because, you know, people are aware that you work on seminar staff, you wear the red shirt, which means, you know, you clearly are good at what you do. Uh, in the CrossFit uh, world and one of the best trainers in the world at doing that. What is your development program look like for coaches that you're going to bring them on? Like, how do you, so if you're going to bring these people on, have them ready by March, what does that look like? First of all, they come from within my facility. Okay. If they don't come from within my facility, I know them from another facility that I'm close with, but most of my coaches come I'll say 89% have come from my facility. Got it. And they've been doing it for at least three years that they've been doing CrossFit. They have their level ones. And right before they decide that they want to do the L1, or I have the talk with them to offer them to become a coach within my facility, I start like uh, – coaches development program okay where i invite them to shadow me through classes for a few months then i invite them to run warm-up classes to get them introduced to the rest of the community so the rest of the community can see that this is going to be one of the new persons that's going to be leading them and the and the uh on the classes and as they're doing that, I require for them to do that one. They start running classes while I am watching them for a few months. Okay. 
So the whole process take anything between 90 days to a year. It just varies for everyone. There is some people that I have had for a really long time interested on it. And we keep talking. I just tell them, just honestly, keep preparing themselves. And as long as you're honest with them and tell them what you expect mm -hmm. for them to do, I believe you're building a strong team. Yeah, I would agree. I, I did a uh, recent episode on kind of like hiring and firing. And like one of the big things that I learned <clears throat> purely by messing it up on many, many occasions was the the setting of expectations up front, because that really kind of sets the tone for, you know, people's success or failure. And and that usually, and that falls on the shoulders of the leader or the business owner or the head coach, whoever that is. So um, I would agree with you 1000%. Uh, I want to talk about your members a little bit. So you're, how old are you, Gary? You're probably, I think you're like right around my age or a little I, bit younger, right? I, I just turned 40. December yeah, yeah, yeah. You and I are like a year apart. The, but your member base is a little bit older, correct? That's correct. What's the, you know what the average age of a client in your gym is? I will say 45 plus. Okay. So you're about like a, yeah. So mine is about 35. So mine's actually a little bit younger than me, but 45. So you have 45 and over is probably your average, which means you have, you have quite a few people like sixties, seventies, right? I have a lot of people. I will say my average is 45 plus. Within that, a good 60 or 70% is on the 60s. That's a lot. It's fun. Oh, I have no it's doubt. Fun. Like I like I like now I want to come guest coach your gym because I feel I feel like that would be amazing. With the um the so talk about that, right? Because there's a lot of people who are looking to start like silver sneakers or the you know, like whatever their master's classes or or whatever they call it, but that's basically just your gym population. So, do you do things differently because your your demographic is a little bit older? Uh, the only different thing that I'll say that I will do is just ask them to move. Some days they just need to move. Not everyone in that age group need to come and hit a super heavy and hit a super hard. They just need to move. They just need to do what we preach, uh, remain independent. And by moving and improving their abilities to be functional, they're going to remain independent and they're going to stay as healthy as they can. Mm -hmm. Uh even though I have a bunch of athletes, uh, clients over the age of 60, a lot of them have been with me for a long time. So yeah. They're very, very capable guys. It's not the average 60 or 70-year-old individuals that are using walkers or need assistance. All of these guys are very successful business owners that have retired and They're insane, to be honest. Like a lot of, <laughs> look, I, I didn't choose this demographic. It happened that where I up, opened my facility is uh, is a community. Of, there is a lot of retired people and there is, I will say, Orange County is a conservative, wealthy communities, I will say. Yeah. So 
most of the people that live here is on that age group. So it happens that I open a facility within that environment, you know, and some of their kids started with me and then they invite, invited their parents and then that one got great results and invited a friend and the word of mouth is, you know, and it becomes that I have a bunch of those clients. Like, <clears throat> so is but that, would I, that be your, would that be your, your advice to people who are looking to try to start training? I, I don't want to say like geriatrics cause they're not, ger well, some of them could be geriatrics, but the, but just that older population is, you know, like really understanding that intensity is relative and so, and, and sometimes just people need to just ditch that intensity altogether and just come in and just be there essentially. Look, it's, just to put it into what we teach on the seminars on the weekends. Mm -hmm. When we have an Olympic athlete that need to move 500 pounds on a deadlift, we have a grandma that need to move a bag of soil for her garden. They both need to practice the same movements. They both don't need to use the same weight, but they need of practicing movement is exactly the same. And the same thing for the squats is healthy for the joints. Just to put it on simple words as we teach on the weekends, these adult people need to be treated and be included like every other individual in your class. It should not be any different. I, today I have a class at the 5.30 a.m. and I have a couple of guys. I have only one guy on his 20s, a few other guys on their 30s, and then everybody else were 60 plus. Guess what, who, if we were in the competitive environment, the lady that just turned 60 years old a few days ago did the workout exactly as prescribed for a female individual and None of the kids on the age of 30 able to touch her. If we go, if we go into the competitive environment, yeah. that's her. Yeah. She's, a, she's a unique case, okay? Yeah. However, if I have somebody else that is totally the condition, based on what they can and cannot do, I will scale the movements. I will scale what they need to do as close as possible to the workout based on their abilities. You know, and that's where most of new coaches get lost. They try to become super creative and go crazy around when the only thing that you need to do is just have a clear conversation with your client. Hey, how do you feel in today? You know, what is hurting? What hurting? Okay after you have the feedback of what they're capable of doing, just come up with something that is going to allow them not only to move, but to feel included. That is why they are there in that group class. And that is what creates their desire to come back and to strive. And they're actually motivating the younger people because it inspired them. And that's how I see it. I mean, that's how I see it. Like, I mean, if I, if I, we have a couple older folks in our, and, and, and listen, they're not, they're not pipe hitters. They're not 
they're they wouldn't even be considered in my mind like you know like really fit like they're just in here working hard but i find that to be inspiring because they're in there putting in the work and i know where they started and i know where they're at today so i don't really care if like what weight they're moving like i'm just like man he comes in and he works his ass off like she can almost do a pull-up and she's 65 i'm like that is legit like that i don't like that's amazing. Like, I don't care how fast she moves. Like she's living a better quality of life because of doing this. And that is what gets me fired up and it motivates everybody else too. They're just like, God, I want to be like that when I'm 65. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Quality of life, man. You just say it. You're improving their quality of life. Uh, another thing that surprised me with some of these uh, individuals is that they surprise themselves what they're capable of accomplishing because over time of practicing one mechanic over and over, repetitive movements, building strength, I caught, I got caught by surprise with a lot of my individuals that are over the age of 60 that have free muscle-ups and bar muscle-ups. I was not expecting that, to be honest, when I started with them. That just sounds crazy. You, you, you Six, saying it sounds, yeah, it, well, it just, you saying that sounds crazy. It's just like, I was not expecting that, to be honest. You know, and I have a guy that he started like maybe two years ago and he came to do an open because I have a, an online qualifier. I have one of my 60 plus guys that is very energetic, very engaged. And he realized that it was not regionals for the masters. So when the online qualifiers came along, he decided to invite the top uh 20 of Southern Orange County to my facilities and we run an open for them, like a, a online qualifier, like the regionals. So I just host the event with the judges, like it's a regionals for them. And all these guys come and they do their online qualifiers and then they just go and have drinks and have fun. But going back to the story, I have one of the guys that show up two years ago he looks really fit, but he was unable to do a lot of these movements that these other guys were older and they were doing like handstand push-ups and chest-to-bar pull-ups. Uh, I started just working with them, regular classes like I do with every other individual. If I'm going to teach muscle-ups and I have females or any overweight person or any uh, older individual that cannot execute the movement, I still get them some kind of skill that they're going to do the transition or they're going to do a jumping ring dip or something. So they participate, they get the same benefits. And mm -hmm. by just doing that over time, these people not only learn the mechanics, but they develop strength. And when you less suspect it, they're ready for it, and it happens. They give you a muscle up. They give you a handstand push up, and it's not different than a younger individual. It doesn't happen as as fast, but it's possible. It's not main goal. It's not my main goal of working with these individuals to get them to the game, because I am on the other side. I totally respect the coaches that go for athletes and care for athletes. That is not where I am. For me, is the health aspect, longevity. But it does happen. These individuals will develop 
high-skill movements as long as you remain consistent. You bring up a really, really strong point about movement repetition, particularly for honestly any population as they age. So I'll give, we'll, we'll leave fitness out and then I'm going to circle back to it with this. So if for anybody that's listened to this for any amount of time, like, so I played division one college basketball and when I was done playing college basketball, I was done. Like I literally did not touch a basketball for years. And then occasionally I would pick one up, but maybe like a year and a half ago, I was at a gym. I don't remember where I was, but they had a basketball hoop in the gym. So I picked up a basketball and I probably haven't touched a basketball in 24 to 36 months, at which point it doesn't matter. Pick it up and I shoot a couple shots and it feels like I never put a basketball down. And I'm not this world-class basketball player. I mean, I was pretty good, but I'm not, I'm like nothing to write home about. Um, but my point is like, I had so many shots over the course of my lifetime that it's like, I, I'm not, I, it's very strong argument that I'm never going to lose that skill. Like it's not going to go away. Like once you get to a million, like you've got it. Now, the reason, the reason I tell that story is because now if I take that same concept of just like movement repetition over longer periods of time, that's the reason that we emphasize doing more teaching and coaching in classes versus like doing a, like going right into the Metcon because those 15 to 30 reps of air squats that are coached day after day, month after month, year over year are what lend people to, you know, longer, more thriving lifestyles where they're not going to get knee pain when they're 60. They can still squat. They're going to be able to press over their head. They're going to do handstand pushups. They're going to do ring dips but it's a long game, right? Like in some instances, we're trying to keep them, get them to keep it. But in other instances, we're kind of turning back the hands of time and we're giving it to them by kind of doing it in reverse order from the basketball scenario that, that I just talked about, which is like, I'm not going to lose that skill, but you can do it backwards and give it to them, but you just have to do it in very consistent, you know, largely low dosages day after day after day after day because those reps add up. And that is why I think people are missing the boat on like, that's what warmups are for. That's what the specific warmup is for. That's what movement practice and skill work is for. Like it's for the long game. And it sounds like that is exactly what you have happening in your gym, which is you're just doing muscle up scales every time muscle up comes up instead of having them do a jumping pull up. And all of a sudden you have 60 and 70 year olds who could do muscle ups. Like that's incredible. Exactly. Exactly. You couldn't better, man. That's really cool, dude. I think, so let's make a transition here. So you're, so, cause it's actually not really transition. It's just kind of more of a segue because you're, you're working with that population, but you're going to start working um, up at HQ. So Michelle Moots is going to come on the podcast. She was recently on the Julie, on Julie Fouché's podcast talking about the, the classes that she's running at HQ. So you're going to start going there. Like, I think you said roughly like once every two months and then Jay and I are going to go up there and guest coach for three days in March out to, out to California. Um, but you've already been up there, right? Like you've already coached there before, correct? Yeah, I have. Yes. I have. So, yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Like this, because these are not people that you would see at a normal CrossFit gym, correct? Uh, no. So <clears throat> it was a, an eye-opening experience because even though I have a lot of older individuals, 
I don't get to have more than five at once in one class. And normally they're mixed and they're very active. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any elder or older individual that I have had, that is the condition or overweight to a point that cannot partake in a class. I have worked a little bit more with them individually till I can get them to uh, be in a point that they know the movements, they're confident around before I lose them into a class. So going to HQ was an eye-opening experience because now you have a large group of people within these age groups. You have some deconditioned people, some people with double knee surgery, hip surgery, uh, 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 some overweight people. And well, ju- just to be fair, and we're, and we're not judging here, but like just to give a little bit more context, we're not talking about overweight. We're talking about morbidly obese, correct? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, exactly. So we're talking like 300 plus um, people that are going to be able to take the classes, but they're going to require a little bit more attention. Okay. So even that experience working with the older individuals, I was exposed with an even greater age, 75 plus. I have had 80 and 85 years old, but only two at a time. Now you have a class with everyone under 60s, 70s, 80s, and including 90s at once. You know, walking into the class, I, I was, I'm comfortable here. This is my background. But after I realized that talking in one direction, let's say I'm talking straight ahead to the individuals that are standing in front of me, and this age group, you're going to have individuals that cannot hear, individuals that also can hear but will forget rapidly. So I learned so much because... While I was there, I got to experience that situation. I'm talking to an individual, and I think that she's listening to me, and she just walked by straight ahead. Like, I was like, how rude. She's ignoring me when I'm telling her. <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, just, it's just a new level. is a new area for me that now is hearing, now is attention, now is... Uh, speed to walk from point A to point B. So one of the greatest things that Michelle and uh, Zach, Katie, and Wes had going on over there is that they've been exposed to this group for a long period of time and they're a large group of them. So they became familiar with the needs of each one of these individuals. Yeah. And they have already created a structure of how to operate on these kind of environments. It's like how we run the level ones. Yeah. This is how to run a class with masters, with elderly people at this level where 
you're going to tell them what they're going to do. Try to be as loud as possible, as simple as possible. And to get from point A to point B, guide them visually. And as you go in 50% of the road, stop them and remind them again what they're going to do. And when you get there at point B, tell them again that that's what they're going to do. And also that the whole dynamic change, and this was that I steal from the coaches down there, you know, because some of the uh, older people that I have, they're still very, very active. And the ones that were not, they, they overcome their, their problems and they became very active. Yeah. But at this facility, you have people that at this point in life, they only need to gain that independence for as long as possible. Yeah. So to keep it fun, you know, and it was, it was a very uplifting experience to see Katie, to see Zach, and to see Wes run these classes like it was a, with a bunch of teenagers that you have to be screaming at them because they're talking between them and, hey, guys, bring it in and have it fun. It, it, it's just next level. I am simultaneously petrified and super excited at the same time. Because I know it's going to be challenging, but like you're explaining, I know because it's going to be challenging, I'm going to learn something and I'm going to be a much better coach for my members or helping other coaches because of it. And that's why I'm so stoked about it. Oh man, you have no idea. When I remember going there, Michelle was with me like for two weeks prior to that, preparing me and telling me, hey, whatever you are ready to scale, one, have it ready to three more levels. Yeah. And she will contact me and, oh, what would you do in case of they cannot do this movement? Okay. And what about if they cannot do that? And what about that? So you run out of options and you're like, okay, I have it figured out. Then you show up and you're in the actual situation and you get exposed to where scaling option one didn't work. Scaling option two is not doing it either. And like you have to move on because you have another group of people that also needs your attention. Mm-hmm. So you have to really put the thought on it, prepare yourself for it, and be open to get the feedback that is given because these guys have been doing it for a while now yeah and they can see with a different set of eyes like to me when i teach my last class with the masters i thought that i whoa i pulled this class this was amazing everyone laughing at the end but after the class was done i was like okay i didn't do this that i have planned i didn't scale for the individual I didn't change this workout. We didn't got time to play. So I realized that even though with my best effort, there was a bunch of good things that I could implement, but because of not moving, I missed them. So at the end of the class, I sit with the other coaches and in a very gentle way, they were like, oh, do you, <laughs> you know, they couldn't change this. 
And it's, it's just, it was so amazing. I was like, oh my God, I realized that it could have done so much more. But uh, you know what? I'm glad they're there and they're doing it for so long because they're setting, they, they, they put in the work to, to create a, a, a route. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're a roadmap. A roadmap for where we're going to fall and we're going to go independently and then it's going to grow like everything else we have done in CrossFit. That's really cool. I think they, I think they call that experience expanding the margins of your experience. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, dude, so this has been, this is awesome. And so we're definitely going to have you on. Hopefully we can link up and we can probably meet out there. I don't know if you're going to be out there in March, but if we can, if we can time that up to be out there, like we're, we're going to try to get everybody on the podcast and talk about this. Cause I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's just going to be super fun and, uh, and the community can learn a lot from that. So we're going to try to share a lot of that stuff with people. Um, and I hate to cut this short dude, cause I would just keep talking forever. However, I do have to go coach a class here shortly. So I do have to get off, but, um, we will definitely have you back on Gary and hopefully we can do the next one in person when we're out there. But, um, dude, anything you want to leave the listeners with about running an affiliate, overcoming adversity, coach development, coaching elderly people, what else you got? Man, uh, just go back to everything we teach. Just care, care about what you're doing. I love just it. Just care dude. about what you're doing. There's keep, keep <laughs> everything. It everything else come behind that. You just care about what you're doing. You're gonna enjoy it. You're gonna give results. You're gonna get return. Just care about what you're doing. That's amazing. Uh, if you guys got questions for Gary or just about any stuff in this episode, obviously hit us up. Um, but yeah, there will definitely be more on this topic. So we will catch you next time. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Just a reminder, Fern and I have an amazing new show called Dropping In, premiering on our YouTube channel in early 2020. Be sure to head over to the Best Hour of Their Day YouTube channel now subscribe so you don't miss any of the episodes you've probably heard us talking about it summarizing some of our trip you can see some highlights up on our instagram as well at best hour of their day but i promise you you're not going to want to miss out so subscribe now thanks for everything you do thanks for letting us be a part of your lives hope you have a great rest of your day tune in tomorrow for another episode of best hour of their day